And good morning. Welcome to this edition of Healthy Matters, an open line show today, your general health questions uh, for Dr. Hilden and his guests. Good morning to you, Dr. Hilden. I understand you've had quite a busy week. Yeah, good morning, Denny, and good morning to everybody listening. Yeah, it's been a little bit busy this week. I'm I'm actually doing something that I've, I don't know if I've ever done. I'm calling in the show this morning from the hospital because I've been working uh, this, this weekend uh, caring for patients in the hospital. And Boy, is it a different time. It is just a different time. I, uh, Tell us about it. What, yeah. do, what, what are you seeing? Yeah, so, the, you know, the hospital on the, on the units that we are, are serving patients infected with COVID are quite busy. And um, we have dozens, literally many dozens of patients in the hospital with coronavirus, and it was my, my uh, opportunity to care for many of them yesterday. And there's just a sense of... Um, just a sense of heightened tension, if you will, among the caregivers. And so I remember last evening, about 12 hours ago, I was standing with some of the nurses at one of the nurses' station, and, and we're, we're all just, uh, everybody's just a teeny bit nervous about their, their well-being and their health. And so we do a lot of reassuring of one another. Let's put it that way. I, uh, um, I do what many of my colleagues do when I, when I go home. I take off my clothes before entering the home or, you know, on the back deck, as, as gruesome as that sounds, or right inside the door and my clothes go immediately into the wash and then I immediately take a shower. And so my hair is getting kind of, it's either very clean or it's getting very dry and brittle because it gets scrubbed so, so much. So it's just a new, it's a new world. It's, it's just very, it's very different um, uh, than it had been before. And, and so just, a, I, if I could just give a public shout out to my colleagues here at the hospital, those nurses that I were talking to are, are, are doing what our public deserves, but they're doing it at great personal sacrifice. They're, they're worried. They're worried about their own families and, and, and such. One of the nurses says, you know, I'm happy to go see all the patients. And she was putting on the mask and the gown and the plastic face shield. And I had all of it on. And we went into the room together. And we looked like we were going into battle together. And she said, you know, I, I go home to my, my three-year-old and my, my six-year-old. And I'm nervous. And so just a shout out to not only the nurses, but the housekeepers, the food service workers, the security guards here are doing such a good job and so kindly and professionally. So just a huge shout out to to all of my colleagues here at Hennepin at HCMC, but at also at hospitals all over all over the state of Minnesota because um we're we're uh, we're all in it together. I know that gets to be a bit of a cliche, but uh, all of us healthcare workers and all of us in the state of Minnesota, we're in this we're in this together. So when you are all staying home and when you are all wearing your mask, you are protecting your communities by doing so. And so a big thank you to everybody for doing that. Absolutely. <clears throat> Excuse me, doctor. Before you introduce your special guest, uh, texters have been wondering even earlier this morning, about what the situation is at your hospital and the clinics, for that matter, as far as uh, face masks, the other PPEs. What's what's the uh, level of uh, accessibility with those? Yeah, that remains a long, uh, an ongoing concern. It isn't a concern minute by minute. In other words, no one's walking in without one, uh, without a mask or anything. And we have a couple of good things. The gowns I wear at my hospital, at least, are are washable, so they wash those. Um, as far as I know, we're doing okay on gloves. 
uh, ironically, we were running a little short on the, the sanitizing wipes where we wipe down everything. But our supply chain was even able to get those. Our supply chain people are just amazing. What we're short of, uh, of course, is masks. And if I could say an ideal world, the ideal world would be that we would have had these two, three months ago. They would have been ordered. They would have been centrally uh, um, managed, I would say, at the national level, because um, hospitals now are having to compete against each other and against the federal government. We we are willing to purchase our masks. They're just there's none to be had, and so that is a, a because we're competing with other hospital systems, other states, and indeed we're competing with the federal government. So it would have been nice to have a coordinated effort on that. But given that we didn't, so we're in the situation where we're reusing masks and we're washing our face shields, and so it's adequate. Our staff are adequately um, protected, and the patients are adequately protected. But it's taking efforts that I've never seen before in healthcare to conserve them. We are we conserve them um so much so that we are getting to be the most frugal people you've ever seen in your life. We aren't wasting a single mask. But at this moment our staff and patients are protected. They have they have the masks to put on, but we have to continue our frugal efforts at conserving them or we would indeed run out. Absolutely. Well, uh, introduce, if you would, please, uh, your special guest today. Absolutely. Um, I have asked one of my uh, friends and colleagues here at Hennepin, Dr. Kate Hust. She is a primary care physician. She is in a leadership role in our ambulatory, meaning our clinic systems. And so she is the one who sees patients in clinics. She is um, helping to uh, direct and lead our big medicine, internal medicine clinic right here in downtown Minneapolis. And she's been uh, at the front lines of patients in our viral testing clinic. And, and so I've asked her to come, around, come by and give us her perspective from, uh, from her angle, because I work mostly in the hospital. So, uh, Dr. Kate Hust, are you with us there? Yes. Good morning, everyone. Hi, Kate. How are you doing? I'm good. It's a pleasure to join you guys this morning. Thank you for getting up early on, on this Sunday morning. So listeners know that my, my colleagues at the hospital, nobody's safe. I make them all get up on a Sunday morning. <laughs> I'm an early riser, so it's not actually much much different for me. Good. Kate, could you tell our listeners um, about what the situation is like in the clinics? Yeah. So right now, as everything in healthcare, kind of our clinic or our ambulatory world of medicine looks different than it did six months ago, and it looks different than it's going to look in six months from now. Um, I think when I think about our clinic world, we really have kind of two worlds of clinic right now um, that have been healthcare. What we have is kind of our usual clinic, so going to medicine clinic, your primary care clinic, whether it's downtown or in the community, or going to see a subspecialist. Um, in our clinic and specialty center. And so those clinics are, for the most part, open, but they're working a little bit differently. Um, we are trying to see patients through virtual means whenever possible because we don't want healthy patients to have to come downtown for things that we could help them address without having to see them face-to-face. So we have doctors in different parts of the clinics who are doing visits over the telephone or who are doing video visits um, using Zoom and different kind of app portals to do to be able to connect with patients. Um, we are still scheduling patients through our connection center. Um, it is a little bit different and t- takes maybe a little bit longer to get connected to your, pa- to your physician than in the past because we're trying to, again, make sure that we are protecting everybody who is at home and can be cared for at home, but also anybody who does need to come downtown to make sure that we're making the process um, 
as smooth for you, caring for you while also keeping you healthy. I, I have a lot more to ask you about that, about, about you know, what kind of patients can be seen by phone, on the video, or who needs to come in. We're going to take a short break, I think, Denny, and so we'll come back mm-hmm. to Dr. Kate Hust after the break. Is that, is that a good plan? Absolutely is. And as we head to this quick break, uh, we invite our listeners to call in or text in. Same number applies for either phone call or your text messages for the doctors. 651-989-9226. 49 is our current uh, Twin City temperature rating, heading for 64 later with sunshine. You stay with us at News Talk 830 WCCO. And good morning. Welcome back to this portion of Healthy Matters. 651-989-9226 is our number, the number used for either phone call or text messages. Again, here's Dr. Hilden. Thank you, Denny. We are talking to Dr. Kate Hust, who is a, an internal medicine specialist physician. That means she sees patients both in the hospital but also in the clinics, and, and she has a leadership role in the clinics as well. So I've asked her to talk a little bit about how we're doing clinic visits. Kate, you had mentioned earlier that patients have the option of either coming in or video or even by phone. How do, how do you help advise patients when it's necessary and when is it safe to come into the clinic to see you in person? Yeah, that's a great question, Dr. Hilton. So I think the biggest thing we're thinking about is do you have, you know, is this something that you need to be physically in front of your doctor for? And there are definitely things where that comes into play because we need to do an exam um, to better understand what might be going on. So there are certainly situations which we can't, kind of replace that face-to-face physical contact um, that we're used to, kind of providing and receiving um, as part of our healthcare. And so the things that we are generally seeing kind of most urgently in clinic are more acute concerns. So somebody who's got new abdominal pain, um, maybe other GI symptoms like nausea or vomiting or new diarrhea, um, other things that are new infections people are coming in for. Um, And the the biggest way that we're kind of doing that triage is either at the provider level. So you may talk to your your PCP, whether it be a physician, a nurse practitioner, a physician's assistant, um, and make a plan kind of specifically with that person. Also, our Connection Center, which is the team at Hensman Healthcare who manage um, appointments, has kind of a list of things, and they will offer you the best fit based on those symptoms. So if it's something that we could do very readily, with a, with a video visit, if you have that capabilities, like looking at a new rash, for instance, we'll probably try to do that first so that we can keep you home where you're comfortable and healthy rather than having you have to come in to the clinic where we have everybody else as well. So I've never done a video visit with my doctor, but I've done Zoom calls and visited with families and we've done meetings. Can you tell our listeners how, how you even go about getting a video visit? Yeah, so, so if you're interested in doing a video visit with your provider, the first thing you'll do is check with your doctor's office, and they will go over a handful of different steps to try to make sure that you have the technology available. Basically, you need to have a smartphone or um, perhaps a computer at home that has a camera and a microphone. And so it's an option that's available for many people, not for everyone, and we can certainly work with that. But if it is an option, our team will kind of help guide you through um, what apps you might need to download, with the Zoom app, and then there is um, MyChart, which is our patient portal, is used to initiate part of it as well. And so the team will kind of walk you through what steps um, you need to make sure you have all the equipment, so to speak, in order to accomplish a visit. And then actually someone from the clinic calls you before the appointment is scheduled and goes over everything to make sure that the technology is set up and it's working the way it's supposed to. 
Um, and that would happen in advance of when your appointment is scheduled with your provider. And then the two of you would be able to connect um, through the Zoom app. It's so incredible um, what this thing has sort of forced us to do. And I, I just want to give a little shout-out to our IT, our information technology people, they and our, our electronic health care record people who have made this possible for so many people. Um, we're, we're talking with Dr. Kate Huss, internal medicine physician with me here at Hennepin Healthcare. Denny, do we want to go to the phones or the text lines? We can do both. In fact, let's grab a call first uh, from uh, Jim and I, Sandy. Jim, thanks for waiting. What is your question? Question is, I, you got to tell me if I was dreaming or if I really actually heard this, but it was a new newscast in the morning when I was waking up. I was sure they said if you wear a mask, it doesn't assure you from not getting uh, the virus if you don't have it, but if you do have it, it will it will reassure that you don't transmit it to anybody. Jim, you're you are you weren't dreaming. The major reason that you wear a mask when you go outside, when the public goes outside, is to protect others. One of the greatest gifts or the greatest bits of community service you can do is to wear a mask, um, even if you feel fine, because you are protecting others. Now, it might offer a little bit of protection for yourself, but the main reason is to protect others. Dr. Hust, are you, um, are you asking people when they come in to see you or they go to our viral clinic or they come into the clinic, are you finding most people are wearing masks? Yeah, so I've actually spent the bulk of my clinical time over the last several weeks in our viral screening clinic where individuals are all wearing masks when they come to see us. Part of the reason for that is that they all have some symptom which could be concerning for the coronavirus, and so we're kind of making extra sure that that population is wearing a mask and we're giving them a mask to wear in the clinic if they don't have one. Um, I do know that we are kind of across campus, patients and employees alike, seeing more and more people who are wearing homemade cloth masks, and we are asking that everybody on campus wear them when they are able. Yeah, I've got a little cloth mask here which I wear out and about not in with patients it's got a nice little a little like a paisley pattern on it so we're all we're all showing our style here with our cloth mask but Jim you are correct anybody who is out in public I don't care if you're an elected official visiting touring hospitals or whether you are a person out there at the state capitol or whether you are at your local grocery store if you are out not wearing a mask you are indeed helping to make this last longer that sounds harsh but it's the truth. All right, Danny, do we want to go back to the, the text line? Yeah, let's do that. We have a bunch of those already. Uh, here's one that came in a couple of minutes ago. Can the doctors speak to the availability of antibody testing and its importance in informing critical decisions such as lifting lockdown restrictions? Kate, are you doing antibody testing yet? Yeah, so antibody testing is not something that we have available yet through our viral screening clinic or through Hennepin Healthcare. Um, we, what we know so far is that it will be important as we look at things at a population level. So not that we look at how my personal health is doing or how the health of an individual patient is looking, but what does it mean across the Twin Cities or across the state of Minnesota? Um, that said, I think we do have a lot to learn. And what I've heard from Glenn Hansen, who I know you had on the show last weekend, Dave, um, is normally these tests take a long time to come into process. So as we are getting them made very quickly. We also are going to have to keep in mind how good they are. And I think one of the biggest things with antibody testing is there are several different kinds available 
across the state, across the U.S. right now, and they're not all the same. So I think it is really important um, if individuals are having that test done somewhere to find out um, how good does that particular test proven to be. But I think that the key for those, as we have them more readily available, is going to be at that population level. Um, and I will kind of look to our infection prevention and infectious disease experts who are the ones kind of helping to really drive how we respond to this, um, yeah. how we best use them. Yeah, Kate, I don't know. Um, uh, I'm talking to Dr. Kate Huss from Internal Medicine. I don't know if you remember your immunology lectures in med schools, but I'm, I'm kind of joking that, you know, I did med school over 20 years ago, and I'm trying to remember what they were teaching me about antibodies in med school class, and I think I maybe should have not been reading the paper. I maybe should have been listening to the lecture. <laughs> no, because it's real. Many of our medications we use today are based on, on antibodies, and I did have the, the um, opportunity to participate in a research study right here at Hennepin uh, healthcare on antibodies. So I had my blood drawn and my blood is sitting somewhere in Atlanta right now and they are testing my antibodies. But that was part of a research study. And uh, and that is going to be the key, I think, is once we get enough people um, uh, to help us understand this virus and what the antibody response is, it is true that we might be able to um, do better at identifying who is um, uh, at risk, who's been infected, and importantly, does it does it give you immunity lifelong? It probably doesn't, but it might give you some immunity. I mean, we just don't even know. So I think there's a lot more to come on the antibody test. I like what you said, Kate, is that the, all those tests you can get out there, most of them, or not most, but maybe most of them have um, dubious accuracy. And so we are we are looking to major universities like the University of Minnesota and at Mayo Clinic and and the CDC to develop an antibody test that is truly accurate. We are coming up to the halftime break of our show. We are talking to Dr. Kate Hust, internal medicine physician at Hennepin Healthcare, answering your questions, um, particularly as it relates to your health and how you might get into your clinics and the like. Uh, we're, we're talking about that for the next half hour of the show. Very good. And as we head to this uh, break, we do have another half hour of the show to go. Call in or text in your uh, general health questions for the doctors, 651-989-9226. That's the same number for either a phone call or your text messages. And we do have a bunch of text messages we're going to field when we come back. Again, here's the number, 651-989-9226. We'll have a look at that forecast coming up straight ahead here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to Healthy Matters. It's an open line show today. 651-989-9226 is the number for either your phone call or for your text messages for the doctors. And here once again is Dr. David Hilden. Thank you, Denny. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the program. If you are just joining us, we are talking to Dr. Kate Hust, an internal medicine physician um, at Hennepin Healthcare. She is both a primary care physician as well as um, uh, one who has been working and leading our ambulatory, which means our clinic system, um, for some time now. She sees patients in the hospital, and she's also been doing extra duty at our viral clinic, which is uh, the clinic we stood up uh, in just a matter of days at the beginning of this pandemic to help screen patients with respiratory symptoms. And so she is a very busy person. Not only that, she does leadership work in quality improvement, which is the the pursuit of the highest quality patient care. So this is a busy woman. I'm going to give you some uh, phone numbers, listeners. First of all, maybe you need a primary care doctor. Well, I suggest Dr. Hust 
or any of her colleagues at our clinics um, here in downtown and across the system at Hennepin Healthcare. We have clinics in a variety of neighborhoods as well. If you are looking for a doctor, now's a great time to sign up for one. And now the number for that is quite easy. It's 612-873-MYMD or 612-873-6963. And that'll get you to our connection center, 612-873-MYMD. The other thing I want to alert you to is that I have resumed my blog a few weeks or months ago. I'm doing a, a doctor's diary, if you will, where I'm doing just quick two to three minute reads about things that are on my mind. I don't edit it much. There's a couple pictures, a couple links, but it's very simple. It's just my thoughts as they go along during this pandemic. And that is accessible at myhealthymatters.org. That is all just one word, myhealthymatters.org. You can sign up for email if you like. You can follow me on Twitter, which is also very easy. It's Dr. David Hilden. The DR stands for my name, David Richard. Actually, I think it might stand for doctor, but it's also my name. So Dr. David Hilden, and that's my Twitter handle. So, Denny, shall we yes. go back to the phones and the text line? Let's do both. Uh, uh, Gordon has been waiting there in Bloomington to ask you a question. Gordon, you're, you're on CCO. What can we do for you? I uh, have a question for Dr. Hilden, but I've listened to you for many years. Um, I have family members who wish to travel to see me after I have come out of the hospital with a acute myasthenia gravis attack and pneumonia. And I was wondering what they need to do to come in and visit with me in my home. Gordon, first of all, thank you for being a, a listener over the years. I appreciate you and uh, and and your uh, being part of our Sunday morning Healthy Matters family. Gordon, it's a bit of a risk to have people visiting you. Uh, and so we talk about the bubble, and what is your bubble? Your bubble is the people that live in that you are basically exposed to all the time. So right now, my bubble is basically my wife and adult daughter, and that's my little bubble. And every time somebody breaches that bubble, um, you are expanding your risk. And so if you are living with people now, Gordon, it's okay for them to be with you. But people who aren't in your home, who don't live with you, are are bringing a bit of a risk in. So I do strongly recommend that everybody wear a mask. I mean, not, I can't tell you how strongly I recommend that. And that you perhaps stay very far away from them. You are coming in from the hospital with a muscular problem, myasthenia gravis, and pneumonia, an infectious problem. You are at risk. So even if family members or friends are feeling fine, they have they are potentially bringing you another uh, yet another problem, that being the coronavirus. So perhaps have them maybe greet them on the front lawn. You maybe put yourself in a chair on the front step and have them be 20 feet away from you. Or perhaps if you're in a building or an apartment, um, have them be very far away from you and uh, and wash your hands, wash every surfaces, and certainly don't touch anybody else. This sounds so cruel. It sounds like not even human, but it's the thing I suggest you do is stay stay quite far from people um, as you come home from the hospital, Gordon. I know we do have uh, other callers on the line, too, but the text came in a couple of minutes ago, and uh, maybe you both can address it. How safe is it uh, if you have to come down for, let's say, uh, in this case, a CT, either in the hospital or various clinics? Maybe that we can address these elective things. Dr. Haas, do you want to take that one? Yeah. So that's a great question, and I know that it's something that has kind of been weighing on lots of people's minds because 
Um, everyone right now has a little bit different version in their head of what it looks like to go to the clinic or go to the hospital just because we've seen it look so different across the U.S. and across the world um, with various bits of reporting. So if you still have an appointment to be coming in for something, for instance, a CT, that is something that is probably still pretty important. And your providers, your physicians are trying to make sure, as I noted, that we're doing whatever is best for your health. So there are going to be instances where we need people to come in for CTs, for visits, for lab draws, or things of that nature. At Hennepin Healthcare, and I suspect that all of our other partnering institutions across the Twin Cities and across the state, everyone who comes on campus, whether they are a patient or an employee, is asked about symptoms that could be representative of coronavirus. If someone has those symptoms at Hennepin Healthcare, what we'll do is we'll direct you to have an evaluation in our viral screening clinic to make sure that it doesn't seem that you have an infection that could pose a risk to you or others. Um, if you are clear, then we'll make sure you still get that CT scan. If you come downtown and you're perfectly healthy and you have none of those symptoms that would be worrisome for the coronavirus, they will just get you checked in for your appointment as it would otherwise. So we're taking um, extra steps to make sure that everyone who comes to campus and maybe isn't feeling well is taken care of, but also that everyone who comes, comes to the clinic or comes to the hospital and is feeling well continues to stay healthy and feel well once they're done with whatever, with whatever they need to do downtown. All right, 651-989-9226. You want to call in your question or text it, same number replies. Speaking of calls, uh, Ken, I believe, uh, calling in from Blaine this morning to ask a question. Go ahead, Ken. Thank you. Uh, good morning. Um, I recently have been having uh, some uh, night sweats, and I was wondering um, what that may be uh, a symptom of or why I may be having those. Yeah, good morning, Ken. Thanks for calling. Um Night sweats can be a lot of different things. Usually what night sweats are some little version of an increase in temperature, not necessarily a fever, and that can be coming from some sort of infection or illness process. Sometimes it can also come from an emotional response. So individuals who maybe are having nightmares at the same time, sometimes it can just be part of the body's um, kind of increased response to stress. But certainly if the night sweats are something that are not new, are not normal for you, um, and seem to be ongoing of some concern, I think it's worth touching base with your primary care doctor or with a healthcare system so they can ask a couple other questions that may help guide a little bit more specifically what might be going on and what kind of evaluation may be best. I like that answer, um, uh, Kate, because, you know, it, it reminds us that even though we have coronavirus, we still have it. The, the human condition continues and other illnesses still continue. And you don't know if this night sweats thing is something, if it's something new, you probably should have that looked at or at least call your doctor because there are still a variety of things that are still going on in people. And, um, and it kind of reminds me at least, call, call your clinic. We are still here for you for whatever your issues might be even though there's a pandemic going on we are still here to ha handle whatever might be bothering our patients here's the text message that uh, says we have nurses and therapy coming into our home i'm worried texter says about that they go from one house to another should they remove their shoes what do you think about that kate because my impression the shoe question comes up it does and i leave my shoes on my deck but i think it's highly unlikely that you're bringing, that you're going to get much on your shoes. Now, I mean, it is possible that some coronavirus settled onto the tops of your shoes or you picked them up from the floor, but I think that that's getting to be a couple steps removed from a likely route of transmission. But I got to admit, 
I'm I'm speculating there. What do you think about yeah. that, Kate? Yep. So so I would say that if you have healthcare professionals who are coming into your home, I would suspect that they're part of some sort of structured program, um, some sort of home health or home physical therapy program. In which case, I I am sure that they are doing everything that they can to make sure they are providing healthy and safe care to all the individuals they're caring for, whether they are in your own home or they're in the home of another patient um, the day before or a couple hours before. I think it is perfectly reasonable to ask that team what they're doing to make sure that they're decreasing their risk of spreading an infection uh, from one place to another. It might be that they're not going to see individuals who are ill with respiratory symptoms. Um, hopefully they are doing lots of sanitation, washing their hands, wearing masks, all of those types of things and really only getting as close as they need to. Obviously, your physical therapist is, in many cases, not as effective if they can't touch you and be working with you to help get you through some of those exercises um, and movements of part of your therapy. But I do think it's a good question to ask because it's important that everybody feels safe, even in what is kind of our regular normal care. I think as far as the shoes, I think I would agree with you, Dr. Hilden, that um, it is not likely to be a big way of transmitting virus. It would maybe would be different if that person was coming from a emergency department or coming from working in a hospital or somewhere where the number of sick people around was higher. But I think even with the kind of chance exposure to someone, whether a previous patient's home or at the grocery store, the risk for carrying it that way is pretty pretty minimal. This this question brings up it just reminds me um about all of the professionals that are out there helping people. And one of the groups or two of the groups that I don't maybe give a shout-out enough to, so I'm going to steal 30 seconds here and do it, is our, our people who are going out to people's homes. At Hennepin Healthcare, we have a community connections group that is stellar. And they, are, they go to people's homes. They're visiting people in homes. They're, and we have a group that is in nursing homes. And so I want to thank the people who are going out into our community to do healthcare, And then the other people that are I really want to make sure get a little bit of thanks or a lot of thanks are people who are working in long-term care facilities, nursing homes, assisted living. These professionals are out there equally on the front lines doing a great job. And we always hear about the troubles in nursing homes and the like. That's a vulnerable population, and those health care workers are right out there. So I want to thank them as well. Very good. We'll uh, take this quick break. A reminder to our listeners, just hang on the line. We'll uh, pick up on your phone calls and more text messages when we return. 651-989-9226. That's the number for uh, both text or phone calls here on Healthy Matters from News Talk 830 WCCO. 49 degrees in the Twin Cities. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to Healthy Matters here on WCCO. Uh, Dr. Hilden and his guest. Uh, we do have callers and texters. Let's see how many we can fit in before the uh, end of the show. Uh, let's go to Diane calling in from Invergrove, I believe, this morning. Thank you, Diane. What can we do for you? Hi. I listen every weekend. And I, this one question I have, we seem, it seems as though things haven't changed much in six weeks. We continue to hear statistics, but they focus on nursing homes when it comes to this virus. And what I wanted to know more about from the doctors are what's changed as far as um, what people are told if they think they have it. Do they get tested? What are the therapeutics that are being used when people are admitted? And what are they being admitted for? Like what's the length of stay? Um, are they being given oxygen, ventilators, meds? Um, and are you seeing, um, the, is there one com- comorbidity that's worse than another? Or is it multiple comorbidities that are the issue. Um, I'd like to know more about what's going on in the hospitals 
and people that are not in nursing homes, and we don't get any information on that. Great, great question, Diane. I will answer a little bit about the hospitals. I'll let Dr. Hust answer about the testing, um, who we're testing. So I'm actually sitting in the hospital. I am logged into my computer, and I am looking at the hospital census. And uh, if I could just, um, uh, I will, I will not obviously tell you about patients, individuals, but I will read you the diagnosis. Acute respiratory failure, acute respiratory failure, acute respiratory failure, acute respiratory failure. It goes on and on and on. And we have a little column on our electronic health record of, that says COVID-19 result. And I am looking at that column on my computer right now, and I see in big red letters COVID-19 detected. And that is on dozens and dozens and dozens of patients. So what we're seeing is very typical in the hospital of COVID-19. They have acute respiratory failure. Their, their, their chest x-ray has this kind of patchy both lungs sort of infiltrate, which is not typical for pneumonia. And their oxygen levels are, for the most part, um, they drop in a larger degree than their symptoms would suggest. In other words, you maybe have heard that term silent hypoxia. I'm seeing it every single day. I'm talking to patients. They look pretty decent. They're talking to me. They're breathing okay, but their oxygen levels that I'm looking at on the machine are dangerously low. So that's what we're seeing in the hospital. And what we do is we put them on oxygen, and if their oxygen levels drop too low, we bring them to the ICU and we put them on ventilators. And the last thing you asked about is length of stay. I am also looking at a column on the computer right now. I'm seeing a lot of 16 days, 16 days, 12 days, 12 days, 10 days, 10 days, 12 days. So these are longer length of stays than, than most hospitalizations. So that's the, that's the, we are trying on an experimental basis in our hospital remdesivir. We do give that to some patients. You maybe have heard about that. That might have a little bit of a benefit, but probably is not going to be a game changer, but I'm hopeful that it will help many patients. Dr. Huss, can you say, who are we testing? Yeah, so I think that's a great question. So what we are doing now at Hennepin Healthcare is any individual, regardless of what other conditions they may have, who has symptoms of COVID-19 can get tested. And so if you have um, a fever and a cough or some other kind of constellation of COVID symptoms and you're concerned, then you can certainly give us a call or come on in, and we are testing everybody who has symptoms. Um, and then what happens kind of from that point really depends on how sick an individual is. So we are seeing over the course of the kind of about seven weeks that we've had our clinic up and running, we are seeing more people who have COVID now than we did when we started. Um, part of that is because we are testing more, but I think we are seeing more individuals who are ill, and we are seeing people who are a little bit sicker than they were when we first started. Individuals who tend to be more sick are usually older or have other conditions like heart disease or diabetes or kidney disease, some sort of chronic medical problem that puts a little bit of extra stress on their body all the time. And the symptoms um, and kind of problems we see are very similar to what Dr. Hilden described. There's a lot of people, the big reason they have to go to the hospital to go in is because their oxygen numbers are low. And sometimes people feel very poorly in that case, and sometimes people don't feel that bad. They just feel like something is not right. Um, and that oxygen is kind of really the biggest treatment. When we're sending people home, when they're discharging to go home and continue care, it really is about kind of supportive or symptomatic care. So using Tylenol or acetaminophen for a fever, staying well hydrated, um, getting plenty of rest. There isn't a specific medication in that outpatient setting that we know of right now that provides 
particular benefit. It's so weird. This is uh, David Hilden again. It's so weird, Diane, that both Dr. Huss and I are, are seeing something new for the first time. It reminds me of doctors of 80 years ago who saw some weird symptoms and they didn't know what to make of them. That's kind of what it is now. We talk to each other, our doctor colleagues. We read online endlessly, what are they doing at this hospital? What are they doing at that hospital? That this is truly a disease that none of us learned about in med school. And so we are learning as we go, and some patterns are becoming more apparent. Um, but you can rest assured that we are, are um, we're all in communication with with each other. So uh, I think we are starting to get a better handle on it. But what we don't have is a is a treatment yet. So we are doing a lot of supportive cares. Uh, Denny, I think we're getting close to running out of time. Yes, we have about a, a sixty seconds to go. Maybe you could pass along a couple of, uh, of either phone numbers and or websites before. I we would leave. be glad to do so. Um, I am doing my blog that is associated with the show. The website is myhealthymatters.org. I encourage you to go there and read about. Um, I, you can get some insider baseball here about the pandemic. Myhealthymatters.org. Also, if you need a primary care doctor, or you want to get into one of our clinics. It's six one two eight. 873-MY-MD. Another very easy way is to go to hennepinhealthcare.org and you can get much more information. I want to thank Dr. Kate Hust. She is a doctor you might want to see if you need a doctor. Um, she has been in a great help to me today. I hope to get you back on the show, Kate. Thank you so much for being on with me. Oh, of course. Thank you for having me, both Dave and Denny. Happy to help. It's great to have Dr. Kate Huss with us today. She's a wealth of information, and uh, and uh, we will be back next week with more information. It'll just be me, sadly, uh, next week. Well, that'll <laughs> be plenty. We'll, we'll keep you working. Thanks very much. Have a good week, doctors. Thanks so much. Thank you. you in the Twin Cities, we have 49 degrees in the Twin Cities, heading for 64. You stay with us in News Talk 830 WCCO.